Welcome to Sports PR Podcast, episode number 34. This episode features Linnea Phillips, the social media coordinator with the UNC Tar Heels. I've had a chance to know Linnea over the last few years during my run in the ACC at both Miami and uh, most recently Georgia Tech. I think she is a hidden gem. And uh, to apologize in advance, we started off discussing Bravo and The Real Housewives. So for the five people that subscribe to this podcast, I totally understand if you unsubscribe. Uh, Also, we had some connectivity issues because I also learned that trying to record a phone conversation over Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans is almost impossible. So anyway, please, uh, please excuse me for some of the technical hiccups. Hopefully you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's episode 34. Is Ashley there? Is she in the car? She, she is in the car next to me driving. Yes. So does that mean we get to talk about Bravo? Do we yes, I'm, I, I am going to make my wife discuss Bravo, and that's where we're going to start. Um, so because I am, since my recent retirement from college athletics, I'll call it retirement, mm-hmm. um, I get to watch a lot of stuff at home. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, I have gotten sucked into this vortex known as Bravo. And my wife loves really good trash television that is just <laughs> mindless entertainment. And one of the beautiful things she's got me hooked on is Below Deck. And it's, it's fascinating. I, first of all, I, I hate boats which is an oxymoron in itself, somebody from Louisiana hates boats. But I would go on one of those boats to hang out with them because I think watching those clowns deal with charter crews is some of the most entertaining television there is. Yes, it's awesome. I was actually just watching it. That's so funny. I was watching it before you called. So. It's uh, we watched the the latest, and I'm sure, um, you know, whatever listeners and viewers I have had on the last 33 episodes, I'm sure they've all gone to hell by now and said screw this and we'll never download this thing again. Uh, I below deck Mediterranean, awesome. Below deck the the new season that's on, great. I would love to have a beer with the captain. I think Captain Lee's a pretty cool dude. No nonsense. He tells me like it is, and my wife is right. I'm addicted to it. I hate to say that I'm a dickie because people will probably question my man part, but you know what? It's cool. I like Bravo. I record a bunch of shit on Bravo now. There, I said it. <laughs> I I love it. I think Below Deck is a really good example of, like, customer service. Weirdly Absolutely. enough, it's, <laughs> it's people who eat, sleep, and live their industry when they're when they're yachting and so I just think I think it's fascinating too. I'm a really huge fan of the Real Housewives though. My my wife loves the Real Housewives. She's uh Ashley, what's your favorite series? Um, New York. That's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so she likes New York. Uh I don't necessarily like any of them. I just kinda roll my eyes when they're on T V. 
and and ask my wife if people really act this way, and then unfortunately I realize they do. Um, yes. <laughs> so usually, usually if I watch it with her, it's because I had probably had a shitty day, or you know when I was working at my previous yeah, schools, and it was just a stressful day, and I just wanted to let my mind blank, and I just yeah. mindless for me to realize somebody else's life is more stressful and sucks more than mine. Yes. And that's what the housewife does. I'm sure Andy Cohen will appreciate that. Hey, you know what? Andy Cohen, he seems like a cool dude. I would love to have a drink with Andy Cohen, but I know he gets paid a shit ton of money to talk to those women because I I would drive myself well, nuts created it. having to, to have those reunion conversations with these people over oh. stupid shit. The reunion is the best. Everyone watches the season just to watch the reunion. Yes, yes. It, it, it's like it's back in middle school, though. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you, outside of the Real Housewives drama, um, which, by the way, Real Housewives of Miami sucked. I mean, they were... Oh, yeah, it was awesome. They were I don't watch very that boring. One. Yeah, the, the one in Atlanta was so, so... No, Atlanta's got Atlanta's good, and then Washington D.C. got. I don't know if they were kicked yes, out, but Dallas they kicked out. Okay, and then, uh, and then Dallas just got picked up again. I well, uh, I hate Dallas. I hate Miami. Or, yeah, I hate Miami. I hate Dallas. Yeah, I love OC. I rock with yes. Vicky. She's my girl. Oh, no. Oh, we have to end this podcast. We can no longer talk. Well, well don't no. worry. We might be the only three people that listen to this episode because I just wasted the first five minutes talking about Bravo. No. But you don't like the OG and the OC? I liked her until she lied about her boyfriend having cancer uh-huh. and went along was, with Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I, that's true. I, I liked Vicky before the, what's his name? I don't know. I can't remember his name. Before his drama. Yeah. Brooks. Brooks from Mississippi. Yeah, I can't know. But that I, was uh, too much. <laughs> I joined the uh, secret face, Facebook page of uh, the fa- uh, Real Housewives. And so let's oh. see the Reading what some of those women type is just hilarious, <laughs> and all their boots oh, on the ground information. Oh, oh my god! I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this page. I'll, I'll send you. I will. I'll send it to you uh, afterwards. It's, it's really yes. funny. Follow this podcast uh, that Casey Wilson does, and it's called um, Bitch Sesh. And um, that's all they talk about is Real Housewives stuff, and it's just it's hilarious. I kind of listen. I have to find this. this yeah, is you need to find it because <laughs> yeah, you would thoroughly enjoy it. So if you want, I've heard part of it. If you want serious, mindless entertainment to get out of the sports bubble, yes. and you just need to detach from real life, you need to listen. And it's, it's actually kind of fun. And the women who do it are both comedians in real life, and they write for uh, different, uh, different TV shows and stuff, so uh, so it's really, it's funny to listen to their tape on it. Oh, yeah, I kind of linked up in that. This is great. This is awesome. 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right, now that you've lost every listener that's ever subscribed to this, uh, I know. As we as we're chatting now, uh, kickoff for um, the NFL game on Twitter should be starting here soon. Have you seen any of the stream at all, today? I haven't. Um, I'm disappointed to say I haven't really been following it as closely as I should. But it's exciting, you know. That's that's a new frontier, and I think we will only see more leagues and teams moving that way and utilizing technology that way. So I'm excited. When I was out at Twitter back in July in San Francisco, uh, the Mountain West and the Pac-12 had just announced their partnerships with Twitter. And I watched a portion of, of the streaming. The video quality is actually really good. And, um, and, and I like how you have the video screen at the top, and then you can have the conversations embedded mm-hmm. as you're watching the game. So it's no different than if you're sitting on your couch and watching the game on your big screen TV and typing on your computer or your tablet. You just have it at the palm of your hand. And so let, let's cool. be honest, the, the millennial user now, how many of them, and, and you go to enough athletic events, and I've been to enough, how many of them are actually sitting in the stand, physically watching an entire game, without looking at their phone, or how many of them go to a bar to, quote, watch a game and aren't really watching it. So Mm -hmm. do you think that the live streaming capability gives, I guess, the millennial user and and people my age the option to kind of a la carte watch live sports on demand when they want to and they can check in and check out as they please? Yes, I think it's great. I think it puts you know, the sports bar of Twitter in your hand with the game there as well. So I think, I mean, I think, I won't say experimental stage because I feel like they know that this model and technology is going to work, but I think more more people will start to catch on and realize this isn't just a fluke. You know, this is the trend now. Sure. Have, uh, have y'all tried anything live video-wise? Um, at North Carolina, whether it's pre-game or, or post-game practice. So we haven't done a lot of, like, like structure, like question and answer streaming. We have streamed um, some different things like press conferences. Um, we did a lot during March Madness last year of, like, streaming the team, the team's, like, farewell while they were getting on the bus and, and leaving and we had we had a, a great return on that. We saw a lot of engagement there, and um, it's it's something we I would love to explore more. Um, unfortunately, surrounding and I'm sure you know this live events and and the ACC's contract with ESPN, we don't have as much freedom as as some other organizations or even conferences. But we we are experimenting with streaming things that that we can can stream. So we've we've seen a lot of success there. And, and going off the, the whole contract portion, I, I can ask this question now that I'm not in the industry anymore. Because this, <laughs> this, this, this pissed me off when I worked in, you know, at various schools. So we, I know that we were restricted by, by contract. You know, hey, mm-hmm. we can't, if it's in a live window, you know, you can't do gifts, you can't do video highlights and all this stuff. And I would always get pissed off when 
when people on the outside would say, well, so-and-so should be doing this to capitalize on it, but they don't understand the multimedia rights and, and all this mumbo-jumbo. Does it just, in all honesty, does it just upset you that people outside the realm just don't understand how these multimedia rights work and how restricted we are in college athletics to what we can and cannot do in-game? Do you mean, like, Fans, fans who get irritated that we're not streaming certain uh, things? Yeah, both fans, and, and I'm more or less talking about all the, quote, experts online that post their weekly recaps and say, well, so-and-so needs to be doing this. And it always aggravated me because you know that we're handcuffed and that we're, we're not allowed to do that. So, I mean, how much does that really bother you, and, and how are you able just to push through it and just focus on what you guys are trying to accomplish? I will say, I mean, it, it does get a little frustrating when, and I think this is kind of a, a general kind of external, people who work in the external side of athletics, we're, we're being watched, whether for good and bad things, and, and think, comparisons happen. And so I think it, it does get kind of irritating when, when we're comparing school A and school B, when the situation is really apples to oranges. Um, but I think we're we're... Just like you, just like every other school in the country, we're trying to do more and better, and it's a rat race, and we're trying to not just present, you know, our brand and, and our student athletes in the best light, but we're trying to fill the need that our fans have, and and we want to connect them with our brand, and so we're trying to utilize trends as much as we can, and sometimes you can't do as much as school B. So, I mean, it does get a little it, – it, but I think that's kind of the nature of the industry for, for good and for bad. I think, you know, we just kind of have to to suck it up and, and deal with it because the comparisons do happen. So we, we just do our best, basically. Right. And, and I know you and I, we specifically before, for a school like North Carolina, how are you able – you know, North Carolina has 20-plus varsity sports and probably more than that. How, 28, yep. 28. So how are you and your group able to orchestrate and and balance all these things? Because there's so many sports that that intersect and, and cross over. And, and I remember when I saw you in Chapel Hill, I guess back in, I think it was March or April for baseball, and field hockey, I, I think, was in the Final Four or lacrosse in the Final Four. And watching yep. you Try to orchestrate that. How are, are you and your team able to balance so much and plan it and schedule it without bombarding um, your your fan base with just so much information at once? That is a great question. Um, it is really a delicate, I'll say, dance because there are so many moving parts. You know, I have the title of social media coordinator, but I'm not the only one that's tweeting. I'm not the only one that's creating content. And so we we really do try to work together and communicate and, and really figure out um, a plan of what works, you know, but we're also um, not afraid to kind of bounce ideas off of each other and and really kind of work, work as a team. Um, 
at UNC we have our athletic communication staff. They uh, hold the traditional role of like live tweeting games and, and sharing stats and, and different information from the sports specific accounts. And then I run the verified pages, and I'm the only person on staff dedicated solely to kind of social and digital efforts. And then we have one graphic designer. Um, but in addition to that, we have GAs and people who are close to, to the different sports pro- programs who are often helping with social media. And so it's it's a team effort for sure. And, and it's just communication is key. You know, that's that's very important. I, I find it. So going back to when I was talking to myself a few moments ago and you were on the phone, so you mentioned you have one graphic designer. Uh, we had the same situation at both Manhattan and Miami. And now you have schools like Alabama, Tennessee, um, I want to say Michigan and some other places. They have whole armies now of graphic mm-hmm. designers. So because you have to limit your, you have a limited resource, you have to think a little bit more efficiently. What What's the game plan for you guys in terms of what are you creating graphics for? Is it just a bunch of templates and just drag-and-drop photos? Are you being more methodical with what you really blow out? What's the thought process there? It is. It's, I feel like it changes on a daily basis. But um, we recently, this year is our, this fall, it's our second year with templates. Before this, we really didn't have a consistent look on across our social media accounts. So we recently started using more templates. Um, I'm super proud of those. Uh, we have templates for, I feel like, everything. We have birthday templates, quote templates, um, game announcement templates, score templates. So we have, we have templates for a lot of different situations, and they are, some of them are sports-specific, so they don't, maybe look like templates, but they are. Mm-hmm. And then this year we actually introduced um, infographics that work off of, like, the game files that the SIDs get. And so they can basically just drop in the information and it auto-populates the infographics. So that's been a nice addition to our content this year. Um, for certain events, we create, you know, original graphics. A lot of the graphics that go out from the main account I make um, because I've recently gotten a lot better at graphic design, so I just kind of make my things on the fly. Um, but for certain events, like when we won, we won national championships on back-to-back days that both of our lacrosse teams did, and we created championship gifts for them in case, of course, we had to create them before the game. Um, but we had those. Those were like one-off things. So certain things we, we do blow out more than others, but we, we use a lot of templates now. <laughs> <laughs> now, since you guys won multiple national titles, that, that's a good follow-up question here. All right, so so what's your your game plan? Obviously, you win a national title. You know, do you just go all out twenty four seven, blowing out the fact that one of your teams won a national title? Is there a balance to where you do it every so often, or is it just, or is there just no philosophy? You just kind of do whatever feels right. Um. Part of it is it's we we get a lot of directions from different areas. So mm-hmm. sometimes 
the coaches, you know, they want to blow it out more. And so for certain things, we we got requests when both teams made it into the Final Four for lacrosse. They actually both in the, I think it's like the Elite Eight before that, um, they actually played the same, men and women both played the same school to get to the Final Four. And so we request um, from the coaches to kind of blow that out a little bit. Um, we uh, we actually had um, our men's tennis team last fall won the indoor national championship for tennis, which is not an NCAA championship, but sponsored by the ITA. And then both of our lacrosse teams won national championships. So after the school year, we put a billboard up, um, and that was sponsored. I think Coke sponsored that. So that's one example of kind of, doing doing more and kind of lumping all those together. We, um, after we won, we had, like, the, the content that went out, you know, when they won, but then we changed the header images on Facebook and Twitter for both of those teams that won national championships. Um, that's one example of blowing it out. And they still have those up because, you know, they're, they're starting to compete again and practice again this fall. So, um, can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> I, what? So hold on. <laughs> I was watching the NFL game on Twitter, um, uh-huh. and it just started making noise. So that was really weird. But so um, we blow different things out, kind of depending on right. where the direction comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, our graphic designer used to be housed in marketing. He's recently transitioning over to be housed in communications. So we might see a little bit of a strategic shift on where and how those messages um, are communicated in the future. Gotcha. And and obviously with, with all the, the recruiting restrictions being lifted and now it's back to the, the wild, wild west of, of what can be done digitally, how does yes. that affect <laughs> the strategy as a group and and working with those coaches in sports to provide stuff that can – be recruitable materials across all sports, as well as doing sports specific, but not going overboard. How how is that working, or or have y'all found a common ground yet? So that is a very good question. It's kind of like what I answered before. It's it kind of changes on on a daily basis, and it's it's really an evolving um, kind of strategy and and ideas. But um, we have seen a lot more interest from the sports just in the last, let's say, six months about what is being pushed out on their main accounts, what's being pushed out by their coaches' accounts, um, how we are communicating not just with the fans but also recruits on social media. And so there, we're really having a fundamental shift of who our audience is how we communicate to them, and who we want our audience to be and what we're doing to communicate to them. Um, we kind of, like I said earlier about the templates, we are creating more templates for our coaches. A lot of our coaches' accounts own recruiting messages. We don't have a lot of, like, you see some schools who have, like, two accounts mm-hmm. for, for specific sports, one related to recruiting and one for, like, traditional communications-related messages. Well, a lot of our coaches share recruiting messages from their own, you know, personas and handles. And so we are trying to provide them with templates and ideas for content that 
doesn't just gear toward recruits, but also helps tell the story of, of their programs and the Carolina brand. We recently went through a rebrand about a year and a half ago. And so I, I, I'd be lying if I, if I said that was easy. You know, rebranding, it takes time, you know. Mm. And so we, uh, we've, we've had to come down hard on a couple of programs and tell them, you know, this is the logo you need to use. You can't do this with the logo. You can't do this with the logo. So it's just, it's kind of been a learning experience for, for a lot of different people in a lot of areas, but we're growing and changing. And, and that's, I think, the fun side of the digital and social world. Nothing stays the same, you know. And so no, it, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how we're approaching it. You know, we're trying to just grow and, and do our best every day. So. And, and, and going with that, that change in philosophy, because obviously everything, I mean, even me being out for two months, almost three months, it's it's changed again. And, you know, over the course of my last four years of my career, my thoughts of how to integrate student-athletes in that philosophy and strategy flip-flopped and changed, and I went back and forth, you know, every other day. Uh, for you guys at, at North Carolina, what what are your thoughts on, on how to – to interweave your your student athletes in your strategy, and, and how much freedom do you get, um, and how much of their stuff are you guys uh, repurposing or sharing on the main platforms? It really um, kind of changes, honestly. <laughs> um, we, I mean, you're probably expecting the answer. We, um, we, I know when I came in, like, to this is my third fall, so. Um, about two years ago, we I didn't want even to tag student athletes in tweets. And now I look back on that and think, well, that was really silly because you can just Google them or search their name and, you know, people find right. it anyway. So you might as well, you know, I wouldn't say we use it to direct people to their handles, but use the, in the digital world, that's how you communicate. When you're referencing someone, you reference them by their handle. So right. um, we... We've changed that. We we I think now I see this really big trend um, of having students athletes share content from their own accounts about the brand because you know fans are following them. Um, we don't really have any control over that unless their accounts are private, and so we should empower them not just to share you know messages and and you know their freedom of speech and expressing themselves, but they, you know, if it's if it's a basketball player, you know, that basketball, Carolina basketball is a big part of their life, you right. know, and, you know, they want to share that because that's what they're living every day. So why not empower them to help share share that story? Um, so I think, I mean, we were actively, you know, promoting and, and retweeting things when appropriate from our student athletes. I know um, we just had... Um, a pretty big, we had a football win in Illinois, and so some of our student, our football student athletes were commenting that they were excited to come back um, to Chapel Hill and play. This Saturday will be our first home game, and so our football account retweeted some of those messages. And so it's all just really coming together and and using them as an extension of our brand to help tell our story. Um, mm-hmm. I like I know a lot of people sometimes just think of, of the accounts that they run as part of their brand. And, you know, that doesn't just stop at verified accounts. That doesn't just stop at sport accounts. Um, your student athletes are part of your brand, whether, you know, they realize that or not. 
And so um, why not let them help tell, you know, your story and, and share their perspective? Absolutely. That's uh couldn't have said it better myself, and, and obviously I think more and more schools, I think they're starting to see the value in, in adding um, a student-athlete's perspective, especially from a recruiting uh, standpoint, just because these kids are all using the same platform, so why not mm-hmm. empower your your athletes to help amplify that message, as well as also building their own uh, personal brand, because, you know, when, when they leave college, it, it goes with them forever whether it's, whether exactly. it's positive or negative. So you might as well empower those individuals to have a, a positive representation, not only themselves, but the school as well. Mm-hmm. I will add, um, we actually, when Twitter opened up the verification process, we I encouraged our communication staff to verify not only coaches, but high-profile student-athletes, um, not just to save them from being impersonated, but, so fans know, you know, that's they they're sharing part of the story. They are, you know, representing Carolina um on the highest stage. And so um we actually had a handful of student athletes verified. We had a lot of our basketball student athletes be verified. Um and that was really exciting because we just had um two guys go pro and when they went pro the uh um the verification request form wasn't live yet and so they oh, had wow. to wait until they were pro to be oh. verified. And so that's, that's when, awful. yeah, so when we started verifying current student athletes, they were kind of joking amongst themselves that they had to wait until they graduated and went pro <laughs> to be verified. How did they get verified while they're student athletes? So that was pretty funny. But, um, you know, that's just an example of, you know, they, they are representatives of our brand. And now that they're verified, there's no going back. Absolutely. Well, maybe you should help uh, <laughs> the Cleveland TV station, WEWS, who last night in speech, uh, <laughs> instead of tagging RG3, which is a verified account, they tagged at for my MCL, which is some yeah. nerd fan who lives in his mom's basement and he's hot pockets, and they tagged him in the tweet instead. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. understand how Ugh. how a news organization doesn't double check this stuff unless, as some people say, unless it was just a dumb intern. Yeah, I I don't know. That's that's one thing, you know, I double and triple check and even after you send the tweet you can go back and check again and yeah, that's 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 not a good look. <laughs> no, it's not and, and you know, last night when I saw it, they they still had it up. I don't know if they ever went back and changed it, but man, I I, I just I don't get it. I mean it's it's not hard to I mean, unfortunately sometimes it whenever you you are looking for a handle, it does auto-populate. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know I've typed in the wrong handle before because it goes with where you are. But, yeah, just take the extra five seconds just to double-check. And that's why that little check mark is very important next to a name now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've, we've, we've dealt with all the difficult questions. Now it's time for, for the much easier and more important stuff at hand. So if you were able to swap lives with any Bravo TV show for a week, what show would you want to be on? I love Caroline Manzo. I think she's my favorite housewife, so I would pick Manzo with children. Okay. (laughs) 
I I love her. I would love to be her kid. I would love to be her friend. She's like a friend in my head. She kind of reminds me of my mom. Um, so, so I just love her. I think she she loves her family. She does anything for her kids. Um, I would love to to hang out with Caroline Bay as well for sure. All right. Now, the next question. Now that I've I've asked you about your Bravo TV taste, what what emoji would best describe you? I my, I would say the upside down smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people. I've heard from a lot of people they don't really know how to use it, and to me, it's like I read it as like the sarcasm emoji, and so. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> that's the that would be the best one. <laughs> No, I, that's I like my favorite, that. Though. <laughs> no, that that's a, that's a good way to put it. A sarcasm emoji, I like it. What um, if there was a movie made about your life, who would play you? Oh man, that's a really tough one. I don't, I don't know. I'm uh, so tidbit about myself. I I like really old movies from like. Mm-hmm the 30s, and The Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie, so, like, I like old actresses. Okay. <laughs> I, if I, I guess I would go with, like, an old actress. I really like Catherine Hepburn. If race doesn't matter, Catherine Hepburn, because she's just, like, sassy, and, and back in the day, she wore pants, and a lot of women weren't wearing pants. She kind of just, you know, was herself, and so I, I would love to have her play me. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> now, out of out of all, obviously, all the changes in, in the social space and, and all the stuff you have to balance, if there's one feature out of all the platforms that you wish would go away tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, one feature... I really don't like um, how Instagram's uh, timeline is not in chronological order anymore. Mm-hmm. So does that count as a feature? I wish yeah, that I, would go back to the way it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I would say algorithm and how they do it, absolutely. Now, on the flip side, if there was one feature to any platform you would add, what would it be? Oh, I, add. Um, I don't even know. I have no idea. Man, I think social networks have kind of, they've made a lot of changes recently that I would used to be really annoyed with. So, like, Instagram added multiple accounts. I would have said that, but they kind of fixed it. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, like, I would make Twitter's, like, customer service better and, like, they would take care of their troll issue. Is that a, that? I don't even know if that counts as a feature, but that's something I, I would love to say. I, it, it's not necessarily a feature, but I think it's definitely a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, yeah. as, as I tell people, I get a lot of in the photos really attractive women following me, but then I realize they're spam bots. And let's yeah. be I don't have a. I'm going to be honest with myself. Not a lot of attractive women would want to follow me. <laughs> So I know that that's really peculiar, and and it seems like it, we go through a stretch where you don't see them and you think life is good, and then all of a sudden they're like gremlins and they come out of nowhere. 
and you're just bombarded with it. Yeah. I also wish people weren't able to mass follow for, like, to try and get business leads out of it. Like, I'm a social person, so I get the trick. And if you mass follow me, I know you're going to unfollow me later. So I'm... That that doesn't work anymore. Maybe back in like 2010, but like <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. So yeah, like like the CEO from a company you never heard of in in the Midwest that has 60,000 followers and you're yeah. his 70,000 follower. I'm like, dude, I you and I are never going to cross paths you. ever. <laughs> yeah, what? Why on earth would you want to follow me? And a lot of the time I feel like it's people who say they're like digital gurus or like uh, social media maven. I'm like, what's oh, that you mean you mean ninja ninjas, <laughs> yeah. mavens, gurus, experts. Oh my goodness. If if it was legal to smack people that said that, I would because I think you know me well enough that I don't think those words should ever be uttered by anybody. Yeah. They make us all look bad, really. Like, <laughs> Well, they do, and and my favorite is when, I, and I'm becoming, I'm starting to become a smartass more so than ever now. When when some feature comes out, I usually tweet that uh, here's how this is going to help change brands. My take, and then I don't put a link because we all know when something new comes out, miraculously in four hours, some expert is going to say this is what you need to do when. We don't know what the shit it's going to evolve into. It could be a total flop in a month. But yet we're going to say, this is, follow these 27 things and your company's going to be awesome. Like, get the hell out of here, man. I'm, yeah. It's, now now I just mock people that do it and I'm becoming an ass. But, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. We're We're all learning and... Yeah. What what may work for like you said, what, what may work for school A, is it going to work for North uh, North Carolina or an Elon mm-hmm. or Duke? It's it may only work in in that environment. It may not yeah. necessarily work on in this group or in another group. And I I guess you know in in a long tangent, I guess I just get annoyed when all these quote experts and and you know gurus and know-it-alls when they when they project on others that you should be doing this when in fact nothing is one size fits all and this success story may that may be the only one like the whole Pokemon Go crap and that crap. I was hoping you would I was hoping we would get on that <laughs> well hey you know what now's the perfect time than ever since I ran out of questions we're gonna talk about Pokemon Go and. And now the, the three people that we did have listening have now dropped off. And, you know, when it started and everyone started saying how it's going to take off and it's going to revolutionize everything, and, you know, I, I, the game is stupid. I, that This is me as a 34-year-old father of two. The game is stupid. What What I'm really intrigued by is the thought of what virtual reality – could bring to the table in in a few years and and how maybe that does revolutionize commerce and e-commerce. But also on the same hand, who's to say that in two years we do a complete 180 from this whole digital phone revolution and we want to go into things called libraries and talk to people? Who's to say Mm -hmm. that this whole virtual reality crap is going to work? 
and, and I guess my whole take on how I made so many enemies and friends when I said Pokemon goes for nerds <laughs> is, is because I wasn't I'm not willing to catch jump on it and buy it. And here mm-hmm. it is, September fifteenth, and you don't I don't hear anything about it anymore. So I mean from and thankfully I left the industry before it became popular because I <laughs> I would have gone batshit crazy. So from from your standpoint, how what were your feelings going through this when you start seeing schools and teams and and brands jump on this and say you better do this or you're gonna get left behind? What if someone in your shoes, how what do you do? Do you test it? Do you see what people do? What what's your process? I think it kind of depends on the brand that you're associated with. Um, Mm -hmm. Some brands are well-known for just, you know, jumping on everything, you know, and that's not – I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. That's just what they're known for. Some brands are known for being more traditional. Um, I think it it was something we talked about, you know, from a marketing perspective, from a – we actually had some of our senior staff mention it to me and bring it up, and we talked about it, you know, and I was kind of tracking the situation and watching and seeing what other organizations were doing. And I think the success that a lot of organizations had from the beginning was that they were some of the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, if you're the type of brand who's known for being, you know, an early adopter or kind of, one of those trend-setting brands, um, I think it makes total sense to jump on that because they are made because they jump on different trends, whether they have longevity or not. You know, that's that's their brand. I think um, if we would have done it at North Carolina, I feel like people would have been shocked if we were <laughs> one of the first schools to do it because we're we're known for our traditional our traditional sense. Um, right. And so, I kind of just think it what works for some people might not work for others. Um I I did um see some really good uses um of people opening their stadium. I think Nebraska is a really good example of that. You know, they they kind of made it into an event that helped their, their kids club, you know, grow in membership. And I think um if you can make trends like that work for you, that's great. I feel I relate that to kind of brands that jump on trending topics. You know, you're not going to celebrate every fake marketing holiday that's out there because then you're going to be doing something every day of the year. But I think if you can make certain trends or certain, you know, things fit naturally with your brand and and apply them to your brand, I don't really see a problem with it. I think the problem is when you're forcing it and it it seems inauthentic and, and you know, if your brand's not built on being a trendsetter or early adopter and you're you're making you're you're forcing it, I think people can see through that. Um consumers can see through that. And so um I think it kind of just depends on the brand. No, absolutely. And it it goes back to my, my previous rant about, you know, Pokemon Go is out for twenty four hours and People were shouting from the rooftops, you know, these experts, oh, you need to do it. And like mm-hmm. that, if, 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 if it fit your brand, that's great. Go for it. But 
if you're just doing it because everyone else is doing it, you know, it's kind of like the old adage. If if your friend told jumped off a bridge, would you follow suit? And, and it's the mm-hmm. same. It's the same premise. You know, why why would you do that when it may not necessarily fit what you want to accomplish or or what your brand's trying to accomplish? And thankfully, mm-hmm. Lene, I am glad you guys stay true to your traditions and did not go on Pokemon <laughs> Go uh, because I may have had to unfollow you. Um, and, and as much, I hope Kelly Mosier listens to this episode. Kelly's a good friend. I love Kelly. Got to spend some time with him in San Francisco in July. I told him I did not agree with his Pokemon Go, but I respected that the fact that it worked for them. And you know what? Hey, if, yes. if it works for you, I can't knock it. But if you just do it just to, you know, like these other brands that, that hijack trends online, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're just doing it just to do it, to say, hey, look at what we did, then, you know, I, I don't feel bad for you when you fail miserably. Right, exactly. <laughs> I will say we we have an interesting kind of facility set up in North Carolina. Um, our football facility is open to the public mm-hmm. the majority of the time. And so... Yep. We we didn't have to open it to let people have Pokemon in our facility, so um, they were able to hunt there with or without us asking them to come. So <laughs> I, I I have made that hike up the hill from field level at North Carolina Stadium. Yep, <laughs> I did it one year with the flu, and it was oh. one of the most. Uh, it was one of the worst experiences of my life, not to mention I think we may have lost that night, which made it even worse. So, was that the, was that I think that might have been the first year we ever met. Maybe yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I, I like randomly ambushed you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was Miami. I had the flu and we took the lead and then we lost it. And then we lost like in the last ten seconds and it was it was one of the worst flight homes of my life, not because of the loss, because I don't winning or losing it doesn't bother me, but the fact that I felt like I had been hit by a Mack truck and yeah. walking up the hill at at, at Kennan Stadium, I, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> there are people that run those stairs every day. Well, those people are, are, are crazy. Well, you know what? If I, if I if I wasn't a fat ass, I would run those steps. So <laughs> that but, never. that's that's a workout <laughs> for sure. Well, this was fantastic for for those that opted to stay and listen to all of our ramblings. <laughs> how can how can people find you uh, on Twitter and the like? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at my name at Linnea Phillips L Y N N E A P H I L L I P S. Twitter is probably the best place because I'm always on Twitter. So I have a website, too. It's just myname.com. You can go there, follow me, read my stuff, connect. I'm always doing Twitter chats. So, yeah, let's let's connect. Let's network. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, this was a pleasure. Um, Hopefully you can go catch up on more Bravo and and best of luck to the Heels this weekend and the rest of the season. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.